The following is Nature of Business with Chrissy Coughlin in association with GreenBiz.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Nature of Business, and I'm your host, Chrissy Coughlin. Thank you for joining us on this fine Wednesday morning. We are very excited to have with us this this morning Kim Hayden. She is the director and lead attorney for the Renewable Energy Practice at Downs Racklin Martin PLLC. And Kim has spent more than two decades guiding clients through the regulatory process and representing them in transactions, regulatory proceedings, commercial litigation, and appeals, primarily in the field of energy law. And she'll be talking to us uh, for the next half hour about her terrific work. Welcome, Kim. Welcome. How are you? I am doing very well. I'm, uh, you know, it's good. It's it's hump day. It's uh, it's midweek. You know, get over the hump. (laughs) You just came back from vacation. How was that? That was great. I was out in California and um, uh, very different uh, climate and scenery out there, but it's uh, nice to be back in Vermont. Good, good. Well, we're happy to have you back. <laughs> so we're very excited to, um, to talk a little bit about um, what you do uh, and, and sort of your story. And why don't we start out with, with, with that, with who you are, and, and give us a little background about what has brought you to uh, becoming a partner at Downs Rackland Martin. Sure. I'm, um, I'm an attorney at Downs, Racklin & Martin. I work in Burlington, Vermont. Um, we have a number of offices in Vermont, New Hampshire, and the New England region. Um, I started practicing several decades ago. <laughs> I hate to be able to say that, but um, uh, I came to Vermont because I, I just love the state. I was born in the Midwest, but um, made a choice when I got out of law school to look at um, several of the New England states, and I and I just decided on Vermont, and I've been very happy up here. Um, started working in the energy field, really not not so. It wasn't um, uh, an intentional choice. I I was given a project that was very interesting, um, a large transmission project um, that uh, involved connecting um, New England to Hydro Quebec through a very large transmission tie, and that just kind of hooked me, and I've been working in the energy field um, ever since then. Okay. And so we're going to have to like talk a little bit about sort of the difference between energy law and then environmental law. Can you give us a little bit of difference of that? I know that, that there's energy law and land use law and, and um, environmental. Is energy is focused on just energy specifically? No, and, and you know, there's it, there is a lot of interdisciplinary um, overlap mm. um, in all three areas. Um, energy law, um, and, and in terms of my practice here in Vermont, um, I get involved in all three. I get involved in land use, environmental, um, because you know, and and the um, energy law piece of it. Um, uh, my clients include the utilities and um, developers of renewable projects, as well as transmission. Um, developers. Uh, the transmission is the, um, you know, the, the distribution transmission lines that bring the power to the regional substations and then, you know, at the next level down to the homes. Mm-hmm. Um, but for any any project, um, there is a land use um, and environmental component. Um, they, they need to be sited in the right place, um, having consideration of aesthetic and environmental impacts, 
Um, there are issues concerning ownership, land ownership, and sometimes condemnation is involved. So it's really, you know, it's there is a significant overlap. Um, in our firm, we have, um, we're, we consider ourselves, or we are a full-service firm, so we have um, people that that uh, spend significant time in each of those areas. Um, uh, and so if I need to, I, I'm able to rely on somebody from our land use practice or in an, our environmental practice to assist where we've got very significant issues um, involving a project. But generally, we're, you know, I get involved in, in all of those areas. And, and you know, the other, the other area that's significantly involved is uh, business law. Okay. Um, all of these projects, um, there is a business component in terms of power contracts, the interconnection agreements, um, and uh, and on the tax and and uh, funding side, we get into uh, venture capital issues and and uh, uh, equity funding. So it's you know there there we again we have we've got the practice areas in the firm where we've got groups that that. Uh, focus on those, and, and they can help us out in, in particular projects, but I get exposure to, to pretty much all of that. No, that's great. So, Vermont ha- definitely has a reputation of being green, or, or a little bit more environmental than most states. Now, what is what is the um, the energy landscape, what does it look like in this country in general, but also in Vermont from the perspective, or New England in general, um, from the perspective as a lawyer? Well, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I guess my, I'm thinking about renewable energy, but the energy landscape in New England, um, we, th- th- the country is set up in tr- with regional um, grid operators. That happened after the blackout of 2003. Congress passed um, federal legislation that set up a series. I think we have seven regional grid operators that basically run the entire electric grid, including both the generation and the transmission. Vermont is part of the New England, ISO New England, it's called the Independent System Operator New England Grid, and that comprises the seven New England states. Um, our, in New England, our energy landscape is, um, to be, I guess, very simplistic, we're, we're dominated by natural gas. Mm-hmm. Um, most of our energy is supplied by natural gas. There's some nuclear. We've got, in terms of our overall portfolio, um, just a small slice of renewable energy that supplies our needs. Um, that has been changing over time, and um, within the last decade, we've seen a lot of um, uh, state legislation that has enacted, where states have enacted what they call renewable portfolio standards or requirements, basically, for the the energy providers, the state utilities, to purchase a certain portion of their energy that they supply to customers from renewable resources, and that has helped to increase the the amount of renewable energy that that we're actually consuming um, in the New England region, including in Vermont. Mm-hmm. But there's still a lot more that needs to be done. Mm-hmm. And the renewable, the, the, when they, they have a small slice of the renewable energy added to the portfolio, does that include uh, everything solar, wind, hydro? Is that all categorized together, or is, is it further broken down? Well, it... it I would say it's, it's, it can be broken down more. Each state, um, at, at this point in time, we don't have a federal renewable um, portfolio standard, which is one of, I think it's been one of the market barriers to um, seeing more um, 
I would say, even um, distribution of renewable um, investment um, and um, infrastructure across the country. Mm-hmm. Um, so at this point where we see initiatives occurring, it's really at the state level, and, and um, each state is left with um, identifying and defining what they consider to be renewable energy in Vermont. Um, wood biomass and other types of biomass resources are considered renewable. Um, solar, uh, wind, and hydro, both small and large hydro, are mm-hmm. considered renewable. Um, in Vermont, we are the first state that has made large hydro resources a renewable, um, defined, you know, as a renewable power resource. Um, and that, that occurred just last year, I believe, largely because we were negotiating, and I was involved in this, a large power contract with Hydro-Quebec. Um, Vermont currently uh, purchases, and we've been doing this for the last, gosh, I don't know, I worked on the last contract 25 years ago. So <laughs> it's been over 50 years where we've been purchasing about a third of our power from the north, from Hydro-Quebec, largely from hydro resources. And so the state legislature in Vermont made a decision that they were going to qualify that resource as as renewable. Um, I don't believe any of the other New England states or any other state, frankly, um, considers very large-scale hydro to be renewable. Renewable, okay. Okay. So when you work on, when we, we I sort of, I have this image of, of, of a, of a Project and then you pass it around to the different departments at the law firm, and everybody does their piece. What is your What does your team look like? Well, I'm in, I'm in what we call in our firm the Energy and Telecommunications Group, but our energy team is made up of uh, we've got a number of, of partners, um, associates, paralegals, and staff who um, who take the lead on these projects. Um, and as, as needed, we pull in people from our other practice areas, from the business group, the tax group, or the land use group. Um, our, our group is, um, we, you know, we, we do so much in terms of the siting of these projects in Vermont. We do so much environmental work because every project requires a full environmental assessment that our group is pretty well steeped in that area. Um, so I, you know, I, I, I should be able to give you the exact numbers, but I, I don't, you know, we've got over a dozen in our group, okay. um, including those that we pull in for, you know, as court members on these projects as needed. Mm-hmm. We try to be very efficient with our, with our people so that we can provide a, an efficient <laughs> service to clients. But. Right, 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 exactly. So um, we're going to talk about some of some of the projects uh, projects that you. Um, are embarking on and have embarked on, and I know that, that there, there are a couple of recent ones as well as not so recent that I think our, our listeners would definitely be interested in hearing about. I'm interested from start to finish the timeline. So when you when, when a project comes to you and you and your team wins wins it, your the, the firm wins the, the project. What what are, what's the time frame for an ener- typical energy project? Is it one year? Is it five years? What are we looking at? Well, I think in terms of of the siting process itself, um, that uh, it depends on the type of project. Um, we uh, the projects that I've been involved in are are what we call commercial scale, kind of the larger projects. They're they're the generation or transmission projects that the um, um, the utilities you know acquire and and then pass on to their customers at the retail level. So the solar projects um, that I've been working on are generally at about the two megawatt level size, which is a fairly significant size. It sounds 
small. Our, our statewide load, electrical load, is, is a little over 1,000 megawatts. So these small, they sound small, but they're a two-megawatt project is about a 15-acre site. Mm. Um, we do have um, a streamlined process that we've started in Vermont. We started about a year ago, um, very roughly speaking, um, to, to try to facilitate um, getting these projects cited more quickly, even though we had legislation in place that was really intended to motivate the development of these renewable projects. They were running into to problems, environmental appeals and other issues. and. Um, Based on my experience over the last year and a half, we've really we we have succeeded in in streamlining some of these projects. For the the solar, I'd say we you know I've I've been looking at five months. Hmm. Um, I you know the experience that I'm hearing from developers um, it, that they have in other states, they've been able to to they go through less of a rigorous process. Um, they certainly that's what I've heard in terms of their experience in Canada. But I I would say that. We have a statewide land use um, uh, protocol in Vermont, a, a regulatory scheme that was put in place in the mid-'80s, and I think it's, it has served the state well. It's very balanced, but we look at any significant development from both environmental land use and aesthetic impacts. And so, um, you know, we, these projects are not just dropped in anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, exactly. The so larger projects are the transmission projects. They, they can take a year or more, depending on the size of the projects. Um, and I'm currently working on a, 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 a large-scale wood biomass project, and I'm expecting that um, because there are significant issues that are not involved in the solar or wind projects like um, air emissions, mm -hmm. um, that that would be probably a 12-month and possibly an 18-month, you know, siting project. Okay. So we, we can talk about that biomass project, but um, how about starting with the Williamstown solar project? Um, it would be fun for our listeners to learn a little bit more about that or, and some other really either alternative energy projects or, or utility projects. The Williamstown solar project was one of the first solar. I actually, it was the first solar project that I worked on. Um, it it's, it, it um, is part of what we call in Vermont our feed-in tariff program. Um, different states have ways of motivating um, the utilities to acquire um, renewable energy. And in Vermont, um, the, the legislation that was passed for this feed-in tariff program or standard offer program um, sets aside a certain amount of energy that the utilities are required to, to purchase from renewable power, and they're required to enter into long-term contracts um, for this power, and which is a pretty significant motivator because it um, that, that is one of the largest obstacles to siting and actually making a project real is, is, is um, getting the financing and um, having a long-term contract requirement is very helpful in that area. So Williamstown um, was one of the first, and it may have actually been the first project that obtained a certificate of public good or a permit. It's a two megawatt, approximately 12 acre project just south of uh, Montpelier. Um, they actually started uh, construction a little over, a m about a month ago. Um, mm -hmm. People are very excited about that. It's been in the news. Um, that, because it was one of the first projects, it did take us a little bit longer to get through the process. There were some bumps along the road. There are other projects that have been built um, 
um, since we received our CPG, but this project went through, um, it, it, it actually went through a transfer of ownership. It's now being built. Um, it was exciting um, during the regulatory process. The um, the children from the Williamstown High School were involved at the site visit, and they taped the thing from beginning to end. Mm. Actually, there was a class that mm. spent their entire semester following the project, and they were very excited. It was, um, we had, I would say, 100% support from that community, and that was very fun. The developer um, part of the project was, you know, putting out an uh, educational kiosk, which will be on the site, and uh, so that people can learn about solar and, and how it works and, and what it means in terms of avoiding, um, um, you know, carbon, carbon emissions. And so it's, you know, it's, I'm glad that we're finally seeing that one become a reality. Mm -hmm. uh, since then, we've, I've, I think I'm working on four to five other ones that are in various stages. Um, one of the other projects down in Pownell is just about to start construction as well, and that's, again, another two megawatt, um, approximately 15-acre project. Okay. So, how about the um, the the Georgia Mountain Community Wind Project? That was a that's a this is twelve megawatt project. Is that right? That was about a twelve megawatt project, um, which is uh, I think what we ended up obtaining a permit for was four four turbines, okay. twelve megawatts. It's what we we described as a community scale wind project. There were several other much larger projects before and since Georgia Mountain that have been, that have received state permits. Um, this project, the developers, um, uh, you know, decided to go for a, a smaller scale, um, something that, that didn't involve multiple ridges. Mm -hmm. uh, most of our wind resource in Vermont is on the ridge lines, and there are significant, um, the potential, and, and I'd, I'd say the real uh, significant um, um, hurdles in terms of environmental impacts, aesthetic impacts, when you're putting 400-foot turbines on a on a ridge line. Right. Um, so that project, we started that in 2010. Um, um, I that project is um, under construction at this point. Um, I think it is of a scale that could be replicated in other parts of Vermont and um, New England, where the resource is on the ridge line. Um, and, uh, you know, again, there, there was, there, you know, wind in Vermont, and I think wind um, in many places, it, there are people that, that really love it, and then there, there almost always is some opposition because there's a fairly significant aesthetic impact right. that people just, you know, some people just can't wrap their arms around. Um, I, you know, I, I think about this in terms of the larger climate issues that we're facing, both wind and solar. The fuel is free. <laughs> there are impacts, but when you look at these resources on a life cycle basis, you know, you have to think about all of that. And, and just as we were permitting the Georgia Wind Project, um, the, we had the, um, the BP oil spill going on. And mm. it was, you know, I was just, it, it was devastating to watch that going on day after day. And, you know, we were fighting so hard to try to, and we had quite a bit of opposition on the Georgia Mountain Project, mostly at the local level, but trying to get that permitted. Um, and, you know, we ultimately succeeded. There were no Supreme Court appeals. So it is moving forward, and, and I think it's a good thing for Vermont. Again, I, I think it's a scale that might be more workable um, mm -hmm. in other areas than some of the, the real large projects. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. 
No, that's great. I, I'm just th- sort of thinking about this in the context of, of Vermont versus, let's say, and I'm over here in New Hampshire. Um, mm-hmm. are, are, are states like New Hampshire and Maine and Massachusetts looking to Vermont for um, for for uh, expediting, you know, just, just in terms of your leadership over there, uh, in terms of implementing alternative energy projects? Or is, is everybody sort of on an equal playing field at this point? Well, I mean, in, in the New England region and, and northern New England, I would say we're, we're, we are on a level playing field. I think Maine, Maine has been somewhat of a leader in the wind area. They, um, you know, they, they do have the advantage of having offshore resources, potential resources, mm-hmm. and those have a what we call a higher capacity factor. The, the wind resource is stronger offshore than it is onshore. There's some cost issues. Um, there are projects, um, good projects that have been built in Maine and actually some of our utilities, I'm sorry, in, in New Hampshire and some of our utilities in Vermont are buying, there's a, what's called the Granite Wind Project. It's a, a large commercial scale project that I don't believe that's in service yet. Okay. Um, Again, every state, uh, uh, what, what dictates what will happen in each state depends on state legislation and regulation. Yeah. Um, but I would say we're somewhat on a, a level playing field. There, is, there are projects that have been built in our site, you know, have received permits in northern Maine, large projects. And um, that's the same, I guess, for northern New York. Um, but they have an obstacle in getting that power down to the the urban areas where the, the power is needed. And so transmission, building high-voltage transmission becomes a challenge for those types of projects. I would say the same is true in northern, northern New Hampshire. And, and these are all issues that have been studied and continue to be studied at the, at the state level, the regional level by ISA New England. Mm-hmm. There's a governor's blueprint study that's, that was released about a year ago looking at these issues. And including looking at whether we should be connecting New England to the West and the Midwest through large transmission ties. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, all right. So, we're, we're, well, I'll reintroduce you here. Um, you we're speaking with Kim Hayden. She is a partner at Downs Racklin Martin PLLC. Uh, I'm interested in, in, I know that you, you mentioned earlier on the show that you sort of fell into. Uh, sort of fell into energy energy law through a project, an initial project that you took on. Um, last month, I, I, I did a series on higher ambition leadership, and we talked about the work-life balance, and we talked about you know not not being one person when you come into the office, and then another person outside of the office. How, how do you feel like your work has has informed the way that you live your life? Um, how have you have you created a balance, and and why is this so important to you? Well, balance is always, it's funny that you use that word because balance is, is hard to um, really hard. achieve <laughs> on a constant basis. Um, I don't know, I've been doing this for over 20 years. I've, I have two children. Um, when, they were, when they were younger and going through all of their sports activities in, in high school, um, I, I was able to work out of my uh, home office quite a bit. Um, I was very lucky in that regard. And I think part of that was because I had developed this um, significant focus and then experience in the energy area. So I, there was kind of a demand. And, and um, with the advent of technology, I was able to um, to work from home more, um, have flex hours, and, and um, be there for my children. Um, 
the type of work that I do is is what we call kind of bumpy. It, it's you know when we have a big project, I I pretty much put stuff aside and and we have you know my, our clients have deadlines. We deadlines are set by the regulators and. Um, and they're challenging projects, but I find it very exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, working in a firm like this, we do have, you know, we also have other resources. Um, and so I, I generally staff my projects with at least one other associate, and we have others that are that are in the wings as backup. I was away last week in California, and that was great to get away. So. <laughs> I bet. I know <laughs> so it's, it's a learned skill. I don't think it's probably any different for me than, you know, than... I imagine for executives and, and companies. I did work um, in-house for a while at a utility, and I I filled in um, for one of my clients when their general counsel was having some some issues for about a year and a half. And so I've you know I've I've been in-house and and worked in the kind of on the, the private sector. Um, uh, mm-hmm. I think I think we all have the same challenges, really. Sure. Um, sure. Absolutely. Um, well, we have a few more minutes. I want to um, talk about the state of energy in this country and 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 what you think about it as coming from a, a you know a legal perspective. Uh, let's start with that. The future of, of where we're going in this country. I know you mentioned the BP oil spill and that you were working on a project, you know, wind project when this was going on and getting opposition. Where do you where do you think we're headed as a country? And are you hopeful about it? Well, I'm, you know, I don't know. I'm an optimist. I am hopeful. I think we've got some challenges. You know, we've had a, a difficult time with the economy. I think that's <clears throat> partly why we're not seeing, um, there, there is significant leadership at the federal level. I don't, but, but we don't have a federal standard, and, and I think that's created market barriers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some people talk about federal standards, whether it's a tax incentive or something like a renewable portfolio standard at the federal level is creating subsidies. I don't really look at it that way. Um, we have made, um, and, and you know, there's been, so there's been this tension between cost, the economics of renewable energy, and um, and the economic impact of, of investing in that technology. Um, what I'm seeing now, and I'm, I'm part of a group, the um, American Council on Renewable Energy, we've got an initiative that I've been asked to be part of uh, where we're, we're working with industry, we're working with educators, um, we're working with the government to try to come up with new policy approaches, and, uh, we're, and we've got a, a significant participation by the financial sector to come up with new approaches uh, for... I don't know, stimulating um, renewable energy. Um, some of the work that's been done is, it, which is fantastic on the technology side, is creating much more efficient resources, um, mm-hmm. efficient technology. Um, there's a lot of work that's being done to try to try to drive down the cost of uh, renewable energy installation of the infrastructure, and I think that's that. There's a lot of um, optimism around that. There's a lot of work being done on the um, trying to advance battery technology because for both wind and solar, we we really need that. Right. Um, so I'm very, you know, I think I think we we've seen somewhat of a slow period, but at, at, at the same time, um, because of what happened with the economy, a lot of stimulus dollars were available, and in Vermont at least, we saw projects that that became real because of the stimulus dollars and the tax incentives that were created. Um, and I think that's true across the country, certainly out west. Yeah, absolutely. So well, let, let me ask one one last question um, about projects that maybe one of the most exciting projects you're working on right now? 
Well, I would, you know, they're all exciting. The, <laughs> I, probably the project that I get most excited speaking about is this biomass project that I'm mm. working on. Um, we've got a very innovative team working on the project. Um, with, with biomass, um, you know, there's a combustion um, issues so that they, they need a lot of uh, water for cooling. And um, one of the innovations that the team came up with during the permitting process, there was a significant concern about groundwater withdrawal and um, was to, to convert to an air-cooled technology using large fans. Mm -hmm. And this is not new, but it just isn't largely deployed across the country. Uh, the other thing that, that the team did was develop a plan for harvesting rainwater from the rooftops this project will be sited in, a, in an industrial park, a former, um, what was the Fellows Gears uh, facility down in Springfield, Vermont, and it was, it was an area that, that had been abandoned for years. Hmm. Um, it's, it's been somewhat revitalized, um, actually quite a bit revitalized, and now this, this biomass project will benefit from the large rooftops that have been there for decades and we'll be harvesting, I know the number, I don't have the number off the top of my head, but over 60% of the water supply needs from the existing rooftops. Wow. So I'm, I'm very excited about that project. Wow. We've filed our application, and um, we are expecting to get a permit for that by next spring. Wow, well, that's exciting. And it's so fun because you take on these projects, and then you learn so much along the way, which, you know, it sounds that's like... Absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, every project, there's something new, you know, um, <laughs> Uh, depending on where it's located, there's there's a resource issue in terms of resource impacts. But technology in the renewable area is just advancing at mm -hmm. you know lightning speed, mm -hmm. um, and I I do find it very very exciting. I can see us, you know, within the decade we'll have uh, solar roofs on our carports and our our plug-ins for our electric vehicles. And yep. I do think that, that we'll see something like that. Yeah, I agree. So it's fun. Well, thank you so much, Kim, for coming on. I, I really appreciate it. It's been fabulous to learn more about your work and everything you're doing. Thank you, Chrissy. Okay. Talk soon. Bye-bye. Bye. The proceeding has been Nature of Business with Chrissy Coughlin in association with GreenBiz.com.